oh, I'm planning and this will happen. And I'm the kind of person where everything has to be in place. I'm a perfectionist. Like, no, 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 no. Stop it. (laughs) Stop that. You just have to start somewhere. Best day to start your business is yesterday. Seriously. Welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Business Podcast. I am one half of this podcast. I'm Dominica. And I'm the other half and I'm Rory. Hi. Hi, Rory. Hi, Dominica. Hello. (laughs) Today, we have a fantastic topic that I think is important for all entrepreneurs of all walks of life. It doesn't matter if you've been in business what seems like forever or you're just starting out. We're going to cover some of the top mistakes to avoid when you're starting a business, but also ones that you can look at when you're deep in your business and go, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I need a little course correction here. So got a lot to cover. So get ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, so ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. So while preparing for this episode, Rory and I did like a little bit of Googling, right? As you do when you're researching some stuff. And we were kind of chuckling to ourselves because we don't agree with some of the top things that Google was like, hey, here's what you need to be paying attention to. So Rory, you want to let the people know about a top one here? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to share what Google says Mm -hmm. about these are the things you should avoid when starting a business. Then we're going to give our thoughts on it. Now, why is this important? It's important because most people start by Googling and are looking for this type of information. Now, if it's not relevant or if it's just not useful information, you need to know that. So that's why we're doing this. And that's why we're starting there. And then after that, we're going to go through these, give give a little bit of thoughts, but then we're going to get into like our steps and things you should avoid. Like like, like mistakes that we've learned, right? That's the whole point of this podcast. (laughs) We want to fast track you guys because we've stepped in it a lot. (laughs) So we're going to share a little bit of that. But yeah, so here's the top seven things that you should avoid. um, According to Google. According to Google. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, the first one, Google says, Hey, you probably shouldn't neglect to make a business plan. What do you think about that, Rory? I say you should neglect making a business plan. I want to clarify that. Okay. I think you need like an idea for your business and you need a little bit of, of research, obviously. You need direction. Yeah. And direction for your business. Mm -hmm. But the traditional, I'm going to write a 20 page business plan and do all this stuff and make it very formal. I think, you know, in most businesses, you don't need that, especially most online businesses. Well, um, yeah. Right. If you're, if you're trying to go after some major funding, obviously that's a different deal, right? Like you need the formal business plan and you need lawyers to look over it and things like that. But when it comes to, you're just getting started, you're just trying to figure out if your idea, your product or service is viable, you do not have to have a business plan. In fact, one too many new clients come to me with these large business plans and they get really disappointed when they realize that the the plan is not coming together as they saw. I mean, for those of you who are parents, if you've, you know, been at a birth, you know that the birthing plan is hilarious because it usually never goes that way. So it's similar. It's like giving birth to a business with this plan it's, uh, in my opinion, it can be kind of a time suck and a bit of a waste of money as well. So yeah, just don't waste your time on a business plan. Don't waste your time. Speaking of time, moving on. What's the next thing that Google says? <laughs> it says, 
avoid inadequate financial preparation and resources? I think if we all had adequate resources from the get-go, I mean, I'm talking adequate. I would have never started any of my businesses, <laughs> right. <laughs> honestly. And I know that, that, I mean, that means that can mean something totally different to each of us. Right. But I put every single cent, every single cent that I had into making love for chocolates happen. Yeah. I mean, and then I, reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting over and over right? and put myself, you know, 50 grand in debt. So I don't recommend that, but it's like, I just can't imagine getting started with inadequate financial backing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. It, I mean, it never seems adequate, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing or where you're at in your business. When you get to a new business that you're starting, even if you have the funds, you're like, well, it's still not what I would ideally want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's just how it goes. And you have to be okay with that. That's part of being an entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you got to scrape a little. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've seen this, we've seen this with companies who have huge influxes of l- large amounts of money mm-hmm. coming in when they get funding, mm-hmm. they're usually the ones that go out of business very quickly oh, because yeah. they don't know how to manage the money because it all just came to them and they didn't have to go through all of the hard work to know what that money coming in means and then how to manage it so that you don't just throw it all away down the drain um, on like ping pong tables. Well, right. I mean, I I think I've mentioned this story to you before, right? In fact, I think I came to you because it was like a dilemma of mine. Mm-hmm. A, a couple of years ago, a startup, a very like wealthy startup, or I, I excuse me, like a heavily funded startup, I should say. Young kids came to me and they wanted me to help them with some some marketing and some planning and branding, and they offered me one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But I knew that by the way that they were managing the money they were going to go belly up within 12 months. And it was one of those things where it's like, wow, that's a good cash grab. I could just take the money and tell them what I know and bye. But morally, I couldn't do it because I knew I'm like, this is just, they're not going to listen to me. And they didn't in the end, even though I gave them like globs of free advice, but yeah, they closed even sooner than that. I think they closed within like 10 months and it, it hurt my heart. It's like, I, it's just sad. But when you see that, when you know, they hired all their friends, of course, who didn't know how to do anything in the business and all this money. Yay. And you just, you see it just, you know, 5,000 here, 10,000 there. It's like, who gave, you know, this young entrepreneur the keys to the vault here. But anyways, it happens a lot. And so as a consultant coming in and looking at that, I just had to go, I don't want to be near this and I wish them well. So just like, just like you're saying, Rory, it's, it's not always about being handsomely funded. In fact, I have found that those business owners that are more strategic, not penny pinching, but strategic about, okay, I've got a hundred dollars. How am I going to make that hundred dollars work for me in the business? And how is that going to provide an ROI? And, and those entrepreneurs like Rory and me, we're like, okay, we, we know we're going to get a return off of this. Let's go ahead and go for it. So I would say having that strategic mindset is more important than anything else. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is avoiding outside help. Which I agree with. Thank you, Google. Okay. So why do you agree with it? <laughs> I mean, like aside from you and like helping me and teaching me and, you know, us doing things together in our, in our businesses, I had this attitude that was like, I'm going to do it all on my own. Forget it. And I, I wasted a lot of time with that attitude. When I should have just said, I need help. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a Leo, right? So of course it's like all about me and I can do it all. 
I'm joking, obviously, but it, but sometimes that like arrogance can, can come into my world. And I have to be very careful about like, all right, I need help. And so now I've got like all the help. (laughs) I've got help coming from everywhere because I'm constantly asking for it now, but I know you also recommend that people don't hire too soon. So how do you create the right balance? Yeah. So, you know, the thing, the thing about that is you don't want to get to this place like where I was, where I was like, oh my gosh, I need help. I'm underwater. I'm totally overwhelmed. You've got to recognize when it's time to start hiring and to release the reins a little bit. And so I would say the best approach and speaking from my own experience, the best approach to this when looking to hire individuals to come into your world and and to support you in your business is to hire, you know, two at a time, right? Don't go hire 20 people. Make sure you have the money to be able to keep those people on for at least a season, depending on, you know, the type of business you run. I made sure that when I hired my team 10 years ago, um, that I found these people that wanted to be in it for the long haul with me. We had similar goals, you know, we had similar ideas and what we saw the business moving toward. It, it, it was more of an inclusive understanding and direction that we wanted the business to go. And my employees, they have stake in my company because I wanted them to be a part of something bigger. So hire, hire, hire small at first and then slowly build up and be careful about who you're letting into your world. If you have a close friend to you, like an actual friend that you think would be good in the business, be careful. In my other podcast, the Tuesday Tea Podcast, I recently was talking about Rory's My Relationship and how Rory's, Rory and I, are, we're kind of like the unicorn of a relationship because we're able to work really well together. And we also happen to be really good friends, right? And I, I feel like that's very few and far between. So lay hands on no man suddenly, right? Be very careful in who you let into your world. And, and part of the reason for that is that when it's your friend, you don't always want to push them the way you would push an employee if they didn't do the work that you wanted them to do, totally. right? Yes. Because you also are taking into the account that they may get upset mm-hmm. and not want to be your friend anymore, right? Yeah. Well, and, right. and we've gone through our stuff too. You know, there's all, all kinds of relationships go through stuff, but as long as you're doing business with whether it's a business partner or a friend in the business, whatever that looks like, at the end of the day, if you can come together and say, okay, let's talk this through. We can see the bigger picture here. Let's talk this through. Those relationships can take a lot of work and a lot of time. Yeah. And there's some people who say like, you know, don't include your spouse in a business or, you know, things like that. You just, Again, you have to go into it just with your eyes open and, and realize that it is going to shift your relationship a little bit. And you're either okay with that or not. It depends on the type of relationship you have with that person. Yeah. And it's different for everyone. Yeah. Right? Your, your wife works alongside you in your business mm-hmm. and it works really yeah. well for you guys. Yeah. But it's not always easy. Of course not. And sometimes I have to be like, hey, you know, you messed this up hmm. because I'm like, quote, the boss, right? right. I'm sure she looks at you and laughs, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's harder on herself than I am on her. So yeah. So I try not to push too much with that stuff, but sometimes I just have to be like, look, yeah, like this was a mistake. We need to fix this. Let's try not to make this mistake in the future. Well, that, hey, that's all you can say. Let's yeah. try to not let this happen in the future. See, in my husband, there's no way we could do business together. He doesn't even know the first thing about what I do. He's like, that's cool. You do you. I'm going to do me. <laughs> right on. We'll have dinner together every night, but I have no idea what to do. <laughs> and it works really well. So, you know, it's teach their own. You know? Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, what's next on our list here? What do we got? Avoid setting the wrong price. Oh, <laughs> this is such a big topic. And we we dove into this quite a bit on, I believe it, I believe it was just this last episode with Michael Unbroken, where we talk about knowing your value so you can charge your worth. So when it comes from like a service standpoint, we're all undervaluing or not. I mean, you and I, Rory, probably aren't, but a lot of people are undervaluing their service, right? Because they haven't gone through the motions of really finding that perfect price point for them. And, and, so, and developing the confidence to be able to ask for it. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that in, in my business, when I finally started, I think the shift was about six or seven years ago. I know because I, I was constantly pushing you, <laughs> right? I was like, that's a little low. Like what's going on? Yeah. Well, low? yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But yeah, when, when we finally made that switch, it weeded out so many of the potential customers or clients that just weren't going to be a good fit anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing when you finally get to the rate where you're like, okay, this is comfortable. I know this is correct. I know that I can charge this and find the right people. It's a, it's a big game changer. So in the beginning, it's hard to set it, to set that like, look, if I was just getting started and like, oh, I'm going to charge $800 an hour, like <laughs> there's no credibility behind it. Like how, how are you going to do that? So what yeah, do you, you, what you, you have to scale? Yeah. We have to know when to scale yeah. and you have to know your market. Every market has different price points of expectations too, right? So what ends I up like happening that. is- of expectation. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. So if you're a lawyer and you're just like your average lawyer, you're, you haven't done any like, you know, OJ Simpson trials, you know, right? You're just doing your thing and you come in and say- when every other lawyer is $300 an hour and in, in your market and you come in and say, I want $5,000 an hour, well, people aren't going to pay it because they'll just like, I can get the same thing for $300 an hour mm-hmm. and there's no additional reason I should be paying you more. Mm-hmm. You know, But if you've done a major trial and one that's been widely publicized, yeah. well, then you may be able to command that. Mm-hmm. Right? And you'll have a wait list. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's the difference, right? You have to know where you fit in your market and the general range of, of, you know, where you should be and then work, work on building your credibility and your results that you get for people so that you can charge more because the more testimonials you have, the more results that you can prove that you or your product or your service get, the more you can charge. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I keep thinking about you're, you're the biggest like champion in like reviews, testimonials, get them, get them, get them. And you have this whole amazing way of being able to do it. You essentially tell the person that you want to have write the review. Hey, here's, here's what I would like to say. You keep it so simple for them, you know, anything else you want to add and they do it. It's amazing. And then they give you their review. My clients, the, I mean, the vast, I would say 95% of my clients, they, we all have a confidentiality clause. I'm not allowed to talk about my clients or who they are. And so my reviews are very minimal, but somehow I'm still able to, to do it. So my point is, if you don't have a ton of reviews, like Rory's got like a million reviews. So if you don't have a million reviews like Rory, it's okay. Don't panic because you still can build credibility in other ways. Um, like I yeah, have. I mean, five to seven really good reviews get yeah, you going. Plenty, yeah. And sometimes you, okay. And this is the other thing, because I find that- certain markets and certain people 
who are going into say a business and it tends to happen with people who have been very highly educated doctors lawyers you know accountants things like that and they've spent all this money on school right mm -hmm. and they go i want to start my own business doing x whatever it is but i don't want to work for free mm -hmm. and they've got no credibility other than the fact that they're a doctor but maybe that isn't enough to get things going with this new mm -hmm. business mm -hmm. and they don't have any results of the system that they created or that they're trying to teach people yeah. and it's like well why is anyone going to believe you yeah maybe you're a doctor but people are in <laughs> in, in a lot of cases are hesitant to believe doctors in the same way they may have 50 years ago right so what makes you different? And you have to have proof that what you do works. So when you do that and you're willing to say, hey, you know what? I'll take on three clients at either a very discounted rate, maybe free, depending on what it is you do. And I'm just going to get them results. And I'm going to ask them for those reviews and testimonials to help boost what I'm doing. So I'm not starting from scratch because it's so much easier when you have those few reviews than when you have nothing. Exactly. Right? And, and you can even do, do the trade, right? And say, look, mm -hmm. I'm going to build you this simple website in exchange for a, a video testimonial, you know, and that, that could be gold. Yeah. And, and try and get the testimonial in, in, in video, but also don't like getting testimonials is tricky. Mm -hmm. So don't just leave it up to them. And that's why Dominic, uh, like you, what you were saying is give them the script. Um, like, yeah, give them the script, give them the outline, coach them through what you want them to yeah. say, you know, be, be like, okay, you know, what was happening before we met? What was the struggle you were dealing with? Also, now that we've worked together, what is the result that you've gotten? How has it improved your life? Yeah, what's the outcome? You have to, you know, prime people for this stuff. If you don't do that, they're just going to be like, Oh yeah, they're great. They're I loved great. working with them. <laughs> they were so nice. Yeah. Which doesn't tell anyone anything. No. We got to get to the specifics. Yeah. And, and provide the guidelines. Yeah. And and you know, and when you ask them, oh, well, how much did your business grow? Don't let don't let them answer with, oh, you know, about ten thousand dollars. Be like, no, like, what was the actual number? Okay, it was ten thousand three hundred and fifty-two dollars in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the magic. Yeah. You got to get specific real with results and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then it's more believable too for the person who's actually reading or experiencing the review if it's a video, you know? Yep. Exactly. We can have a whole episode on how to get testimonials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Another thing that I think is really important and we can't avoid it, especially because we're all online, especially if you've watched our metaverse episode. You cannot ignore technology. You just can't. Yeah. And our automation episode as well, right. because, and I said this in the automation episode is that if you're not utilizing AI and automation in your business, you're going to get pushed out of the market. And the reason for that is because it can work so much faster than we can, and it can process information so much faster. And you're competing against companies who are utilizing this technology to their advantage in every single way that they can. Mm -hmm. So if it takes you, or let's say a process takes you a week to do, and then another company can come in and do it in an hour, who do you think is going to win the business? Well, that's obvious. And who's going to grow quicker. Right. Right. All things you got to consider. Yeah. 
So, so yes, another, another check mark for Google on that one. That is, that is good. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Google wins. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Another big thing, create a marketing plan. Yeah. So, so. It, what it's saying is don't avoid creating a marketing plan. Yeah. So, so something that I see a lot, and I know Rory, you do too, is people have the product I'm like, great, I'm ready. Now I'm just going to put it out there on social media and it's going to do awesome. Like, mm, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a lot of planning that needs to be, the foundation needs to be laid down before we know what we're doing and how to sell anything. Well, too many people go into things thinking, if I build it, they will come, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it just doesn't work like that. No. In rare instances, it does, okay? I was actually having a conversation earlier today about this, about how you can sometimes put out a product or a service and like it resonates with the market. It resonates even on an energetic level, just people when they experience it, they're like, wow, this is like something I need in my life. And it spreads on its own organically. Hmm. That's very few and far between out of when you consider all the businesses in the world, how many times that happens. What do all the other businesses do? They market, they advertise, right? Yeah. And that's how you have to approach what, uh, your business. And if you don't, well, what ends up happening? Well, you put out your product and you get disappointed because nothing happens and you waste all that time and that money that you, you know, put into developing it. You know, you can you look at any market. I mean, it happens over and over again. Mm -hmm. The the big companies are advertising, right? Still. Coca-Cola still does it. Oh yeah. You know, if like do you think Coca Coca-Cola can just rely on the fact that, you know, that they're on, on shelves and have a brand name and never, never put up a billboard, never advertise at the Super Bowl, never have a logo on a, you know, at a hockey event or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are everywhere and they're constantly spending billions of dollars on advertising because they know it works. You have to advertise, you have to brand, you have to market in order to grow a business. Well, not only does it work, but you got to be thinking that Coca-Cola is one of those brands where they will constantly be retooling and looking at new generations too. They're not just marketing to people like you or I who are like, Coke's delicious. You know, they, they want like, even though I'm not a Coke drinker, but they want new generations to be like, wow, Coca-Cola, you know, and that's why they're, they're paying yeah. attention to these different digital trends and marketing related positivities that they can infuse their products into kind of like how the barbecue sauce company, what was the barbecue sauce company in the, in Mark's metaverse episode or not episode in his video stubs or was it stubs? I don't, it, it, it might've been anyways. I don't know. I know. I like, <laughs> I know, I know the bottle. I just am not thinking of the name. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So always be thinking, okay, so I've got this, this product, this brand, this service, keep retooling it. This isn't just for startups. Be thinking, can I continue to grow, you know, with the new generations that are being, that are coming never ending. Yeah. And, and one side note about, cause we are talking about Coca-Cola is you have to be, be a little bit more strategic in your marketing when you're a smaller business mm -hmm. than Coca-Cola, because they do have the money to test everything. Mm -hmm. And when you're creating your marketing, just focus pick one platform that you are familiar with and that you understand and start your advertising there. Mm -hmm. Don't try and do the Coca-Cola marketing, which is be everywhere. Right. I mean, you can do that with retargeting ads, right? Which, you know, is, is great, but 
that does not mean front end cold offers on 20 different platforms. Okay. So you've got to, you know, if you're just starting your advertising or you're planning on starting it, that's where you start. You pick the one platform that you know well and go down that path with their advertising so that you can, because you already know enough about it, about that platform and what, because if you're spending time on it, then you know what ads attract you and are compelling. And then you can do some similar things and test it out. And then test. Number one, number one thing is test, 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 test. Be okay with the results. It's okay if something doesn't work. In fact, we love it when something doesn't work because then we know, hey, great, it didn't work. And then you can spend money elsewhere, you know? Yeah. And test, test quickly. That does not mean spend money recklessly. Right. Right. Don't, yeah. you know, don't drop a hundred dollars a day on brand new ads. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Just start with $5. Like if you're doing Facebook ads, you know, uh, Google ads are a little bit more expensive, you know, start with $10 or something, mm-hmm. but you know, you just start with, you put your ad up, start with $5 a day. And in a couple of days, you're going to know whether this works or not. As long as you've done proper targeting. Which is going to bring me to one of our others in a moment, but let's finish up this list. We got one more. Neglecting online marketing. I don't know how anyone could neglect online marketing in today's day and age. I see it. Brick, brick and mortar companies. They do it all it. the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like you're missing out if you're not utilizing what is available to you. It's true. And, and yeah, it pro- it really does come down to like brick and mortar, but I, I want to flip it around and say that if you're an online marketer, are you also using some of the brick and mortar strategies? Mm. Are you mailing stuff? Are you, you know, going door to door? I don't know what, whatever it is that you need to do to get your message out, but don't like look at some of those, those strategies that they're used that the brick and mortar have been using for, for decades mm-hmm. and see, well, can you pull some of that? But if you're brick and mortar and you haven't gone online yet, I mean, come on, like you, you need a website and you at least need to understand the different platforms that are available that are going to enhance what you're doing, whether that's Yelp or Google reviews or whatever, like claim those platforms for yourself and for your business and go in and actually utilize them because I see so many unclaimed Google and Yelp pages, you know, with like restaurants and it, you know, happens a lot of time where they're like, oh, it's like 50 reviews on there and they don't even they haven't even claimed the the listing. Right. It's like such a huge opportunity being wasted where they could actually use it to their benefit and provide more information for and pictures and everything for their customers, they don't even do it. Well, here's the thing though. So it's, it's easy for you and I to be like, oh, what? How, is the, how are they not utilizing this? And back to what we were talking about earlier with avoiding outside help, I had a client, old, old school pizzeria joint, and I went into their office and we're talking stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of their books for years. And that's how they did all their bookkeeping. I mean, stacks. And if I wanted like a receipt from, you know, the last 15 years, we, we got to go digging, you know? And, and so everything was kept on paper and they just, they didn't, they didn't have a computer. They didn't care. They didn't want any of it. It was just, you want your pizza, you come in, you leave, you don't, you know, we're not selling coupons online, just really old school. And when I finally, you know, was able to tell them, Hey, listen, like you're closing yourself off from X amount of potential revenue. 
by not doing something that can be set up in an afternoon and just reaching, you know, your, your target audience is there. They want your pizza. They broke it down to me in a really simple way. They're like, we're just scared. We're scared of technology. We make pizza. We don't want to do the Facebook. We don't want to do the Twitter or whatever they said at the time. And so that's when I said, well, great. That's where, that's where I come in. That's where I can help you. So it's, if you're in a position, you know, where you, you have a, a marketing, a digital marketing agency, a consulting firm, whatever, and you know, someone that can go in and help those types of businesses, you're doing them a great service. You know, that's a whole business in and of itself. Go on Google and look at the unclaimed businesses and call them up and say, did you know that your business is unclaimed and you've got 50 reviews sitting here? you know, and get, get them set up because that's, yeah. So the, the fear factor involving that, like I said, it's easy for you and I to be like, just do it, but these people need help. So I think we've got to be a little more uh, sensitive to the fact that people don't want to come into the digital age and they've been doing something the same way forever. Change can be hard for people like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I agree with what you're saying and I understand and I remember that when you <laughs> went into that business and then you called me and were telling me about it. <laughs> this is crazy. I wrote about it in my book too. I'm like, yeah. this is this is Stone Age style, but but also a really, a really unique experience to be like, yeah, people still run their businesses this way. And that's okay, but it's time to like step into the age of the internet because we're we're in this a good 30 years now. It's time to get on board, you know? So so if you're listening to this and you're in a position where you're like, oh gosh, I don't even know where to begin with that. There's hundreds of people that you can find to help you with things like this. You know, 40 years ago, my mom took a course on essentially like how to use a computer to, you know, do all of the data entry for businesses. Mm. Like it's been around <laughs> like, you know, the it's like, are you going to allow the fears that you have about something keep you from growing your business? And we all deal with them in different or, you know, have different fears and deal with them in different ways. But, you know, I'm always looking for it. Okay. Yeah. I've got this fear. How do I get over this fear? Cause I don't want this fear. Right. Well, and people hate to fail. And I think that's half the fear. Yeah. Right. No one wants to fail, but that's something that I know you and I talk a lot about. And one of the mistakes to avoid is you gotta be okay because you can fail to learn. You've gotta be okay to fail, fail fast, fail forward. I, that's like my mantra with my clients, fail quick, <laughs> fail forward, just move on because then we know it doesn't work. It's those, it's those things when you're, you're trapped in like a merry-go-round cycle where you're like, will it work? Won't it work? I don't know. Sometimes you just got to rip that bandaid off and just be like, failed, move on, <laughs> move on to something else. Well, and that, you know, and that brings uh, to mind one of the things that like, that we probably should talk about or like uh, from our point of view of like things to avoid which is just not getting started and not getting started can mean a couple of things. One, it could be in the context of what we're talking about here, where you have something, you know, you might need to do to bring you into say the digital age or just to improve your business, but then you just never do it. Right. The other one is just not getting started with your business in the first place. And it's just an idea or a concept that you just never move forward on. And they get comfortable in that though. That's, I think that's yeah. a huge problem. They get comfortable in like, oh, I'm planning and this will happen. And every, I'm the kind of person where everything has to be in place. And I'm a perfectionist. Like, no, 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 no. Stop it. <laughs> Stop that. You just have to start somewhere. Best day to start your business is yesterday. Serious. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I know what you're thinking. Second best is to start today, but really second best is to start the day before that. (laughs) Right. It's like, you've really got to realize that you're hurting yourself by not moving forward. And every day that goes by, if there is an opportunity in your market that you're not taking advantage of, you're one day closer to that opportunity not being available. Totally. And someone else will take that spot gladly. Yeah. And I, I heard this with a book client just two days ago, I think it was. And he said, I've been sitting on this idea for a book. I've got the title and like, I just haven't done it. And that's why I joined your program is because I, I like, I knew that you could help me get it done. And he's like, but I've had this idea for three years. And he's like, and just like a week ago, someone released a book with the same title and it hasn't been oh. in the market at all. Oh no. Yeah. And I was like, look, there's no exclusivity on titles for books, but the more you wait, the more it's going to get out there and you're going to lose the competitive edge that you have. So you have like, you have to, in some ways, be the market leader and get out there. If you have the idea and you see an opportunity that you can move forward on. And I see this so many times where just people like they're scared to get their book out. They're scared to you know, start this business or, or grow this business or start this other side business based off of what they're doing. And a lot of times you just have to say, you know what? Yeah. It might be a bit of a struggle to, to figure this out or to get this done, but I just need to sit down and do it. And yeah, it's sometimes easier said than done. But if you don't, a lot of times you can just wave those opportunities goodbye. 100%. And what's the worst thing that could happen? It just doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so then it doesn't yeah, and if you're smart, either way. <laughs> if you're smart from like day one, right? And you're not just saying, hey, I'm going to you know, invest hundreds of thousands of dollars up front into this idea. And you just put this idea out and you do some testing and you get some feedback and you continually grow and, and improve and actually take the steps necessary from growing your business instead of thinking that it has to be, if you think about it like this, everyone wants to go from zero to a million dollars like, you know, especially on like launches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work like that in any type of launch situation, whether you're launching a physical product or a digital product, like very rarely do you ever go from zero to a million, like one out of a million, <laughs> it, it happens. But usually what ends up happening is you go from zero to maybe a thousand dollars. Then on your next launch, you go maybe 5,000 or 10,000, right? And you learn and you're testing ideas and you're seeing what the market likes. And then eventually three, four, five, six launches down, you figured all that out. You know how to speak exactly to your market. You've built your network, you've built your email list. And when you go and do the launch, then you have that million dollar launch, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And if you don't start, it doesn't happen. But if you have that expectation of you're going to go from zero to a million, you're going to skip a bunch of steps yeah. and you're going to throw a lot of money away. Well, and most likely of- you're just going to hold yourself back because you're not ever going to start because you're like, I have to go, I have to make this a million dollar launch. And that's, it's like, that's it. no, just have a thousand dollar launch, mm-hmm. have a $10 launch, just get going. Mm-hmm. And on that note, friends, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more that we could get into and One other thing that I'll say, which I think is just vital to avoid mistakes when building a business, growing your business, whatever stage, you've got to know your numbers. I say that a lot. You have to know your numbers, meaning 
how much does it cost to make it, your time involved, who you paying to have make it, and then what's the gross versus net, all that jazz. But we got to get out of here for today. We hope you guys learned a something. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.